Dressing with style is akin to issuing a manifesto. Dressing fashionably is like signing a petition. So said Jenny Allen. Meanwhile, Jean Cocteau observed that fashion is simply what will go out of fashion. On this episode of the History of Advertising podcast, we are looking at a range of distinctly unfashionable products and how creatives have gone about advertising them. We'll be looking at everything from tobacco to the powdered mashed potato. First, though, we're going to look at a brand that thrived during wartime. Oxo began life in the 1840s as a meat extract and a cheap substitute for beef tea. Akin to brands like Ovaltine and Burberry, Oxo thrived during wartime, having received a helpful boost from Florence Nightingale, who described it as invaluable when treating injured soldiers during the Crimean War. During the First World War, it's estimated that 100 million individually hand-wrapped Oxo cubes were provided to the armed forces, whilst during the Second World War, it was seen as a chef's aid that helped boost meagre meat rations on the home front. Suffice to say, when the Second World War came to an end, a brand refresh was needed for Oxo. Back in 1950s, which was not that long after the end of the Second World War, Oxo had been a meat substitute and it had been invaluable. It was, it was loved and adored because it, it helped eke out the meagre meat ration. But once meat came off the ration, a reputation as a meat substitute was not a good thing. Described as Adland's greatest philosopher, Jerry Bullmore worked on the Oxo refresh during his time at ad agency JWT. After the Second World War, the brand was not only losing its relevancy, but research revealed that Oxo was also being considered as a down-market product used by bad cooks. Clearly, a new approach was needed. The agency that I was then with invented Katie and Philip, who were a middle-class couple, and she was a very good cook and always used the Oxo cube. Well, you certainly went to town tonight, darling. I just felt like it. I wish you felt like it more often. This steak's delicious. How'd you do it? It was braised, cooked with Oxo. And, and talking about cooking, well, it so happens that I've saved quite a bit out of housekeeping. Well done. Well, if I had another pound or two, there's a hat. Oh, yes. Here comes the payoff. Braised steak is a real party dish when it's cooked with Oxo. When you add two Oxo cubes, you can be sure of getting the full rich flavour of the meat. As you can see, Oxo gives a meal man appeal. As you can hear, the ads reflect somewhat dated social attitudes, with the slogan Oxo gives a meal man appeal being very much a product of its time. However, the campaign was a success in giving the brand a, well, brand new personality. We tracked this across months, having told the cloud that we thought what we were doing would correct the downward sales of Oxo cubes. Month after month, absolutely nothing happened on that. And they kept their courage, remarkably, for 14 months. So there was Katie and Philip ploughing on, being middle class and loving food and loving Oxo. On the 14th month, those indices picked up and continued to pick up. Uh, and to this day are up. So, no change was actually made to the product but a whole new brand personality had been born and continues to live on today. 
Another sector that has had to battle with changing times and perceptions is the tobacco industry. Towards the end of the 20th century, cigarette brands in the UK found themselves pitted against increasingly stringent advertising restrictions, which banned ads that appear to condone or promote smoking in any way. In order to get around this challenge, ad agencies began exploring surrealist styles of advertising campaigns. Last series, we looked at the work done for Benson and Hedge's Surreal Swimming Pool campaign, but now we're going to look at the work Saatchi and Saatchi did for Silk Cut. Jeremy Sinclair was chairman of the agency at the time the series of Surreal Silk Cut ads ran. He credits art director Paul Arden and Charles Saatchi for bringing the campaign to life. That was Charles's idea. Charles rarely got involved with creative work, but uh, the silk cut was his idea because he knew the artist who did cuts in work, and so his idea was was cut silk. It was as basic as that. Then, but then Paul and Alex, another uh, art director who worked for us, just took it to a new level. Took it to an almost surreal level. You give anything to Paul, and he turned to class. And I'll tell you why Paul was brilliant. He was the only person I've employed who'd show me work and he'd say, uh, what's wrong with this? Everyone else would show you work and they'd say, well, wouldn't say, but they wanted you to say how brilliant it was. Paul wanted you to say what was wrong with it. The idea behind the silk cut ads was daringly simple. It consisted of a series of ads showing their colours associated with the brand in silk that's cut in provocative ways. Notable examples of the campaign included a parody of Hitchcock's Psycho Shower Scene, with the shower curtain being reimagined as a piece of cut purple silk, and a series of cut silk chess pieces queuing to use the loo. For our final stop on the tour of unfashionable brands, we're going to Mars, in order to check on some powdered mashed potato-obsessed aliens. You never know when the neighbours are going to drop in for a chat and a bite to eat. So it's always worth having a packet of smash handy. Because it's made of real potato pieces, it ensures a mashed potato with a taste that's unbeatable. And afterwards you can retire to the lounge and show them your latest antique. The Smash Martians were a family of Martian robots made entirely from car parts who were used to advertise Cadbury's Smash Instant Mashed Potato in the 70s and 80s. The Martians were deeply mocking of the primitive behaviour of humans and our peculiar habit of preparing mashed potato in the traditional peeling, boiling and smashing method. The ads were a great success, with the campaign regularly voted as the top ad from the last century, and the characters have become such an institution that they are even featured in the National Media Museum. Martin Bose was head of agency BMP that was behind the campaign. He believes people focus too much on the Martians when they try to understand the success of the campaign. Of course, everybody remembers the Martians, but the real originality was the first commercial that uh, described this new product coming along that you had to wash, peel and mash that was threatening the powdered mashed potato, which was the, the really original sort of uh, archetypal ad of the campaign. The Martians were only a sort of subsequent expression uh, of, of how Martians would be shocked to find that we actually did use this curious product that you actually had to peel. The campaign was the brainchild of BMP creative director John Webster. Adland legend Dave Trott was a key part of John's creative team at the time Smash Martians came about. Well, the Smash Martians is a classic case of, of John, what I'm telling you, spotting something 
everybody else sees and doing something with it nobody else had even envisioned. There's a line which is, uh, talent hits a target no one else can hit, genius hits a target no one else can see. And that's John. And I remember he was on holiday when uh, everybody was working on Smash Martians and Chris Wilkins had written three scripts. And the one that got presented to the client wasn't Smash Martians. Everybody in the agency didn't think much of that. It was kind of like, because uh, all we saw it, all, everybody all saw it as, was just um, like Monster Munch. Big, foamy, wobbly characters just saying they're funny people on Earth. And, and then John came back from holiday and made the account man go to the client, get back the script the client had bought and resell to the client the, Smash, the Martian script, because John, what John had seen it was, we're going to have voices like, voices like the Daleks, like that. We're going to have tin characters with big smiley faces and chameleon eyes, and we're going to have the Daleks laughing, which nobody else had seen, and suddenly you catapulted it from Monster Munch to, this is fantastic, a, a, a campaign that went on forever. And you took a good script and you made it fucking genius. On your last trip, did you discover what the Earth people eat? They eat a great many of these. They peel them with their metal knives. Boil them for 20 of their minutes. Then they smash them all to bits. They are clearly a most primitive people. For Mash, get smash. All the campaigns in this episode have shown very different approaches to tackling the problem of flogging an unfashionable product. The difference between brand and product is clear when we look at how OXO managed to reverse its fortunes by creating a new brand fit for post-war Britain without changing a single ingredient in its product. Silk Cut managed to show how smoking was cool again with a surrealist campaign that baffled the censors and our beloved Smash Martians show how advertising is able to upset the status quo through humour and sheer inventiveness. Suffice to say, all the campaigns featured in this episode demanded a high level of creative thinking. But how can an agency go about managing creativity to deliver results like these? If you're interested, then visit the History of Advertising Trust on Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com today, where you can access an exclusive episode covering off this very topic. The History of Advertising podcast was presented by Jack Maggot Phillips and featured contributions from Jeremy Bulmore, Jeremy Sinclair, Martin Bowes and Dave Trott. The programme was produced by Jane Jarvis and Jack Maggot Phillips. To find out more about the adverts featured on this programme, please go to hatads.org.uk. <laughs>